Good morning and welcome to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright and I am so happy to be with you this morning as we begin the hour together. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is great to be with you this morning, and it's great to look out the window this morning, too. The sky here is beautiful right now. A lovely mix of blues and pinks, uh, depending on where the clouds are and how they're just overhead. It's it's absolutely splendid. I couldn't paint a better picture. Well, I couldn't paint a picture to begin with, so that's not saying much, but uh, an artist couldn't paint a better picture of how beautiful the sky is at this moment, which is a nice consolation this morning. I'm tired. Uh, it's a week. It's Catholic Schools Week, and I know we haven't talked a lot about that on the show. I, I've been living it all week at home, and uh, today we're going to have a, a real special moment. We're having a vocation talk at the kids' school and we're hopefully going to be launching something that helps them pray for vocations right there in their school. We'll see. Uh, it, it just turned my day upside down, but in a good way. And uh, hopefully some great things are going to be happening at the kids' school today in terms of vocations and prayer. And I'm looking forward to it. But sometimes being a dad and being the guy saying, I'm, I'm willing to help out for these things, whew, it can be exhausting. I tell you what, and uh, today is one of those days, up late last night and up early this morning, but here we go. Here's what we're going to do on Roadmap to Heaven today. We're going to have a homily on St. Blaise. You know, his day is coming up on Saturday, St. Blaise Feast Day on Saturday. Get your throat blessed. We are going to have a homily on the nine First Fridays, and, uh, you know, tomorrow's First Friday. Friends, let's not forget. Are you on the reparation team? You can be. All you got to do is say... I'm going to pray in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart. I'm going to go to Mass. I'm going to receive our Lord in Holy Communion. You know, a great way to do that, go to confession tomorrow, spend some time in Eucharistic adoration, go to Mass. Um, we've been sharing some opportunities. You can do that midday at the Old Cathedral. You can do that with the Sodality of the Sacred Heart here in St. Louis tomorrow evening. If you just uh, search Sodality of the Sacred Heart St. Louis, you can find all the information. They've got a lot going on, and uh, it's worth taking the time to search them. Go to their website. And then... Uh, we also have for you uh, homily on Candlemas. So tomorrow, in addition to being First Friday, is the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord, also known as Candlemas, because we bless all the candles tomorrow. It's going to be a beautiful thing. And then Father David Skillman's with us. It's Thursday. Of course he's with us. And we're going to talk about the Redeemer of Man. And uh, what a wonderful day it's going to be here on Roadmap to Heaven. So let's get started with our weather and our Saint of the Day from Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Bridget of Ireland. Born in Ireland in the mid-5th century, Bridget's mother, Broca, was a slave who had been baptized by St. Patrick. Her father was an Irish chieftain who promptly sold Bridget's mother when he discovered she was pregnant. From childhood, Bridget was filled with faith and generosity, always looking for ways to help those struggling around her. At one point, she gave away all of her mother's butter. When Broca became upset by this, Bridget restored the supply of butter through prayer. At the age of 10, Bridget was sent back to her father and once there quickly resumed her habit of giving away anything she thought necessary to help those in need, which became more than just a little bit exasperating for her father, who took her to a local king to try to sell her. 
But the king had heard of Bridget's generosity and recognized the beauty she had in her heart, which was filled with faith. So he witnessed this firsthand when he saw that she had given away his jeweled sword. Seeing this, instead of being angered, the king said simply, her merit before God is simply greater than ours. And the king convinced Bridget's father to set her free. She refused to marry and asked the Lord to remove her beauty, which he did, returning it after she took her final vows as a nun. And when she took those vows, she took them from St. Patrick, who mistakenly used the form for priests. When this was pointed out to him, he said, so be it. She is destined for great things. Bridget went on to found a monastery at Kildare, the first of several she would build for both men and women, and she also opened a school for art and metalwork. Over time, Bridget and St. Patrick became very good friends, and they, along with St. Columba, are the patron saints of Ireland. She died in 525. St. Bridget of Ireland, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Daily Offering God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace, so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to Thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O Blessed Trinity, Abundantly assist me in becoming that which thou intended me to become when thou created me. For in thy perfection I will give thee the glory thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. Last week with Father Skillman, we were talking about this third section of Redemptoris Hominis, the Redeemer of Man. And we're talking about man's situation in the modern world. And and the title of last week's paragraph was, For the Church Always Lead to Man. This week, we're going to continue to talk about man and specifically what modern man is afraid of. And and Father, as we think about all of these things last week, that that idea that we're, we're made for more, we're called for more than a life of sin, and that our Lord opens a door for us. He opens the way, especially through the sacraments for us. Uh, yet so many times, even those of us who know the power of the sacraments, those of us who believe, we're hesitant and sometimes we're afraid. And I'm, I'm very excited to dive into this paragraph today to talk about what modern man is afraid of, because if we don't know what we're afraid of, we don't know how to overcome that fear. Right, yeah. So he's going to get much more. Uh, last week we were talking kind of just still generally or kind of in a transcendent way, what is true of humanity? Now he's going to ask, let's look at man today, right? And what is it that we tend to be afraid of? And he, to kind of enter into this, he, he borrows a phrase from Vatican II, the signs of the times, right? So now we've said a lot about Christ, the gift of redemption. Now let's look through that lens at today. What are the signs of, of these times? And he introduces a theme that he'll return to again, especially uh, in, in this part of the encyclical, which is the theme that the advances that we make uh, as human beings are certainly forms of progress, but those very same advances can kind of turn against us. And so what modern man is afraid of, as we'll see, is basically our own advances, what we on the surface believe are advances. Uh, so he, he writes this, the man of today 
seems ever to be under threat from what he produces, that is to say, from the result of the work of his hands, and even more so of the work of his intellect and the tendencies of his will. He is afraid that what he produces, not all of it, of course, or even most of it, but part of it, and precisely that part that contains a special share of his genius and initiative, can radically turn against himself. And it leads him to pose uh, this question for our consideration. He asks, Why is it that the power given to man from the beginning, by which he was to subdue the earth, so reference back to Genesis, why is it that this turns against himself, producing an understandable state of disquiet, of conscious or unconscious fear and of menace, which in various ways is being communicated to the whole of the present day human family and is manifesting itself under various aspects? So the question draws us into a reflection on what elsewhere in his writings he calls the mystery of iniquity, that this good world that God created has been wounded by sin. And so we live in this kind of tension where the goodness remains, but there's also an an abundance of evil and brokenness. And, uh, you know, that reference back to to Genesis, uh, which he talked about this, this call for man, the power of man to subdue the earth, it turns against him. You see that even in Genesis itself, where after the fall, Adam is told that he's only going to harvest the fruits of the earth now through the toil and the sweat of his brow. You know, the earth itself is kind of turned against him. Uh, at the time this was written, I, I've got to imagine, you know, this is the late 1970s, that probably foremost on everyone's mind was the nuclear weapons race, you know, the Cold War. And, and this is a clear example of, of the work, the, the kind of products of the human intellect and, and human hands that quickly became a threat. Um, so this ingenuity in kind of developing these modern weapons, but now all of a sudden it's this great threat. I mean, there, you know, even these apocalyptic predictions of just kind of the end of the world because of nuclear war. Uh, maybe in our day, um, certainly that's still a reality, but maybe in our day, our thoughts go more quickly to just some of these um, modern uh, inventions and progress, you know, the internet, cell phones, AI is all ever the talk of everyone these days, these sorts of things. Um, the, these, and we can see how these are, these are, these are good things. They're, they're advances that are being made, but they're also, there's a dark side to it, you know, and these are things that then can be used against us, against the good, our true good. And he, he states the basic principle for discerning this um, in the form of a question. He asks, does this progress, which has man for its author and promoter, make human life on earth more human in every aspect of that life? Do all the conquests attained until now and those projected for the future for technology accord with man's moral and spiritual progress, right? So not just um, does it kind of help us just kind of in, in practical daily life ways, but is it good for us morally and spiritually? Um, even before he talks about technology in this section, he talks about how we're using the resources of, of the earth he says, man often seems to see no other meaning in his natural environment than what serves for immediate use and consumption. And he uses words like exploiter and destroyer that we sometimes become over the goods of the earth rather than the masters and guardians that the creator has called us to be. Uh, you know, I was reading this now, you know, 45 years later, it struck me that Pope Francis in our day, uh, for obvious reasons, he's written an entire encyclical and then a second follow-up letter on um, kind of the Christian understanding of how we should approach environmental issues. So he kind of has this reputation 
Um, but then I was remembering before him, Pope Benedict uh, at one point was referred to as the Green Pope <laughs> because he had written about some of these themes. Um, but we see there are similar concerns in John Paul II because uh, these concerns maybe have reached mainstream consciousness relatively recently, but it's part of Christian theology from the beginning, right? This call to be stewards of, of the earth and not exploiters <laughs> of the earth, destroyers of the earth. Um, but then I, I guess I would conclude uh, our time here today by just sharing with you what I find to be the most um, haunting, <laughs> if you will, um, thing that John Paul asks about how to evaluate modern progress. Um, I'll just invite you to ponder these words of his. Again, it's the form of a question. And he asks us to look at our modern advances and ask this, in men and among men, is there a growth of social love, of respect for the rights of others, for every man, nation, and people? Or on the contrary, is there an increase of various degrees of selfishness, exaggerated nationalism instead of authentic love of country, and also the propensity to dominate others beyond the limits of one's legitimate rights and merits, and the propensity to exploit the whole of material progress and that in the technology of production for the exclusive purpose of dominating others or favoring this or that imperialism. So he poses these big questions for us to consider as we make these advances. Is it really for man's true good or is it not? It's a lot to think about and it's a question we wrestle with to this day. I mean, as you were reading this, I was thinking about, wow, if he were alive today, he would surely be writing about AI. And then, <laughs> Father, you just let us right down that path as well, bringing the same to our consideration. Thank you for yet another wonderful lesson about this encyclical. More to come. The Memorari to St. Joseph for the Sanctification of Families. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored thy help and sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Full of confidence in thy power, I fly unto thee, and beg thy protection of families. Despise not, O guardian of the Redeemer, my humble prayer, but in thy bounty hear and answer me. Amen. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. It's a good time to stop on this Thursday for our Daily Dose of Encouragement, where all week long we've been talking about tithing and how God is not outdone in generosity. And Patty, what I love about this is in every story you've shared with us so far, it's not a question of you giving money and then God just giving you money back. The the blessing isn't necessarily monetary. No. It's just blessing of, of some sort. Absolutely. And and what I want to say is this is not saying, well, if I do this, I'm expecting something in return. These are what I call hidden surprises that when you least expect it, everything else is we are trusting that God will provide what we need. And that does take a leap of faith. And along the way, God surprises us with these other things. And it's just, again, showing how much he loves us, how much he's got this, how much he's taking care of us, and how much he knows us. So today, I want to share a story about God's generosity, again, when we put him first in our lives. Now, you might be saying, well, that's just for you, Patty. But today, I want to share the stories 
from my sister and her husband. And she gave me permission to share these. My sister and her husband were one of the couples that inspired Larry and me to begin tithing. We watched them tithe. We witnessed these miracles in their lives. And we wanted to experience this kind of trust, this kind of joy, this kind of receptivity to God's lavish love. So when their kids were teenagers, they were turning their basement into a place for the teens to hang out. Nothing fancy, just making a space for their kids and their friends to gather. My brother-in-law's boss asked them out of the blue if they would like a big screen TV. He just happened to have an extra one. And then get this, the boss hired movers to move the TV into my sister's basement for them. Another story that I think is just unbelievable. Friends of theirs, again, friends of my sister and her husband, told them that they could have their swimming pool, a huge above-ground swimming pool for free if they would just come and get it out of their yard. So they did. And for 11 years, their kids, friends, and our entire family, we all swam in that pool. What a gift. What I find, again, so remarkable is that if that pool would have been offered to Larry and me, we would have turned it down. But a pool was offered to my sister and her family, and that was a dream come true for them. Third miracle story from my sister. My sister worked out at a gym, and she loved to use the sauna afterwards. When the owner was going out of business, he asked my sister if she would like the sauna because he knew that she really used it. He sold her a $5,000 sauna for 400 bucks, and she now has a sauna in her basement. Now, I ask you, who gets a free big screen TV, a free swimming pool that still had 11 years of life in it, and a sauna at 92% off the value? Someone who doesn't expect it, but someone who knows that it all comes from God. Someone who is grateful for every gift and gives back to God their first fruits out of pure gratitude. What do you say to that? I don't know, but I'm just going to say, Patty, thank you for this inspiring daily dose of encouragement. I'd love to share a little story with you this morning. Years ago, my grandfather passed away. In fact, he passed away while my mom was pregnant with me, and he was a fourth-degree Knight of Columbus. And at the time, the Knights Consul donated a chalice to the parish in his memory. And on the bottom, it's inscribed, it's engraved, in your charity, please pray for Sir Knight John H.H. H. McCartney. And at a certain point, the parish had acquired so many of these through the generosity of the Knights that they were running out of space. And They said, we'd like to send these somewhere where they could be used. And at the time, my grandmother had said, no, I'd really like it. If if you're not going to use it, I'd like it to stay with the family if that's allowed. And so in somewhat of an awkward way for many years, it sat in the care of our family in a china cabinet. And and what do you do with a chalice in a china cabinet? I don't know. And I don't know that that's a good thing. And we had been wrestling with that question for some years. Well, at a certain point, a conversation developed about the vocation chalice program that some churches have, some parishes have. I know uh, many of our Sarah Club members here in St. Louis help make this happen at their parish. Much like the traveling pilgrim virgin statues of Our Lady of Fatima. It's a chalice placed into a case with prayers and then different families take it and then they pray for vocations within their parish. 
And I was approached and I was asked, do you think we could do that at the school? And I said, I think that's a grand idea. And I think I know where we can get what we need. And I called my mom and she said, I think that's a grand idea too. And so it's one of those things today, it's kind of neat to see this come to fruition. I'm going to go pick up this case that has a chalice, a purificator, and a patent, and a bunch of prayers. And we're going to drop it off. We're going to take it to a school. And we're going to invite each of the homerooms every week. A homeroom's going to, as my understanding goes, a homeroom's going to take it into their class. And they're going to pray for vocations as a class every day of that week. And then it'll go to the next class, and then the next class, and it will just keep going through the school. And every week they'll be praying for vocations. And you might be saying, hey, that sounds wonderful. That sounds amazing. How can I do something like this? Well, the answer is just ask Father. Father, could we do something like this? What would it take? And then make it happen. That's, that's how we make it happen. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. St. Unipero, Sarah, pray for us. St. Blaise, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lots of, lots of saints were asking for their intercession today. Hey, don't forget about First Friday Devotions tomorrow morning. We'll pray our prayers of reparation here on the show, uh, but you'll need to get to Mass on your own. And then uh, first Saturday on Saturday, have that plan to go to confession, go to Mass, pray the rosary, and meditate for 15 minutes upon the mysteries of the rosary. Until next time for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Have a blessed morning and pray your rosary today.